Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Ciceri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. My name is Laura Ciceri. I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights. And today, it's great pleasure to talk to my good friend and thought leader, Jeremiah Owang. Jeremiah is the founder of Kaleido Insights, and Jeremiah has always been on the forefront of thinking about new technology and new approaches. Jeremiah, welcome to the show, and tell the group a little bit about yourself. Laura, thank you. As your long-term friend for almost a decade and former business partner, I'm glad that we continue to stay in touch. I'm based in Silicon Valley, and I focus on how new technologies help companies to connect to their customers. And I've started a number of research firms, and I've been a founding partner with you at a prior research firm. And it was my great joy to work with you there. Jeremiah, as you think about what's happening in the pandemic, let's just kind of step back and Oh my, I mean, you know, so many people on the front line, the truck drivers, the postal workers, the grocery store clerks, the people that are still moving things so we can buy groceries, Um, the healthcare workers, moment and just reflect it's nothing that I would have conceived. How are things in California? In addition, the healthcare workers, the government leaders, the first responders, and many others who are forgetting, farmers um, and teachers uh, who are still working behind the scenes. So we're grateful to all of them. And things are, you know, shaky and the world has changed and it it will never change. And um, it was good to hear from you, Laura. I texted you a few weeks ago and said, how are you doing? And you shared with me, and it's not a text that I ever want to get, that that you succumbed to the to COVID nineteen, and I'm so glad that you you got over it. What should people know about that that horrible experience that you went through? Well, I think the first thing, Jeremiah, is you know most people get through it. It isn't pleasant. You don't feel well, uh, and the symptoms aren't well documented. So, for example, you and I had talked about one of the symptoms is a dry cough. Well, I really hadn't thought about what is a dry cough. Uh, Most of the time you get the flu and you're very mucousy and you've got a lot of wet cough, but this is a different kind of cough. And the symptoms are not well documented that many people have GI problems, right? It isn't all respiratory. And unfortunately, our whole system around testing makes us very blind. So... I was early, I was able to get a test. It took me four days to get in line to get a test. I drove an hour and a half to a test site in a farmer's field. And by the time we got the test results, I was 80% better. And so as we look at the statistics on the screen, what we're seeing is not reality because there's a wide portion of the population that isn't being tested, the latency to get the test results are long, and there's a high percentage of negative tests coming back in the testing stream. So it's very hard for us to be data-driven to be able to respond. Those are my thoughts. Uh, Your perspective? Well, thank you for sharing that, Um, and I'm glad you're better. So it's interesting when I think about how technology is being used 
there's an example even in Singapore where the government, the, the Department of Health, created an app, and it's opt-in, where you can find out if somebody who you've interacted with, and they detect who you're interacting with or have through GPS and location data using your phone in this app. And if a person you came in contact with did become sick, then they could signal that, and then therefore you can go in and get contact. So we're starting to see some interesting technologies emerge that could help solve those things. But then we have some privacy issues, like you were kind to send me the Twitter link with the tracking of the students who had gone mm -hmm. for spring break and how they had dispersed in the U.S. and the potential spread of the virus through telemetrics and telephone. And, you know, first of all, I was appalled at the map. But secondly, I was like, how do we balance the technology and privacy issues around this? Your thoughts? I think at this point, it's going to be difficult for people to make the argument against that type of privacy. This pandemic is so severe that we will see new rules being written around data and privacy. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be very difficult to make that argument that privacy has to go deep back underground uh, because of this. And so just for those who are listening, aren't familiar, there was um, a data scientist who, using some uh, technology, was able to decipher the data exhaust from mobile phones. And they, they zoomed in on one map in Fort Lauderdale at the beach, and then they saw the tracking of GPS data as everybody dispersed uh, back after spring break. And so the eastern side of United States, um, all the way to the Mississippi, they dispersed all of those locations. And the chances of them being infected are probably greater than the average general population. And the thing is, they could have received that data in many ways, from apps, from the mobile devices, location tracking. I think that it's too hard now to, to force that privacy back, and I think that's kind of the reality that we're going to see. One of the things I think is very encouraging is the movement towards fast testing, not only to look at serums and, you know, have you had the disease, but also what the fast turnaround of the disease could be, their home testing and the movement toward precautions. And I think that's going to change our workplace in that people are going to have more impetus to test and to share the test results. And there'll be more focus on protecting the community through masks. Your thoughts? Those are all um, wonderful things. Amazon has made notions that they're testing home delivery kits in the Seattle area which could start to give that data. But there's also other wearable technologies that could be implemented at some point, such as oximeters will, are supposed to be in the next versions of the wearable technologies. I go to CES every year, and that sensor is becoming quite common. Um, secondly, even uh, temperature of skin can be determined from advanced visual recognition using cameras. And those are all ways that we could sense to see if somebody is not feeling well. And I could expect in the future, we might even see an Alexa skill that you can enable that does cough detection and analyzes, are you shifting into a dry cough? So I imagine a, a numerous innovations are going to emerge in the next few months around those topics. I agree. And you know, Jeremiah, one of the things that you and I talk a lot about is health and wellness. And I know you're doing a lot of work around health and wellness, and I'm so proud of you and the work that you've done there. But when you think Thanks. about health and wellness, I think one of the reasons why I did 
better than I expected through this was the fact that, you know, it's 66 years old and my blood pressure is 110 over 70. and Fantastic. And, yeah, you know, my pulse is, you know, 58 to 60 and I work out every day and even though I'm overweight, I, you know, I've made physical activity important and... And I think there's going to be this whole awakening around physical health that hasn't been there before and monitoring of that. I almost wondered if you could give your perspective on that. Sure. First, let's um, talk about what's happening right now. So the all of the physical gyms have become virtual and personal trainers have become virtual as well. And we've seen a rise of these virtual classes online. Uh, let's take, for example, Peloton, who is growing uh, significantly in their sales. Their stock hasn't grown as fast as I ex- expected, uh, perhaps because their products are one-month backlog now, but they have launched even virtual classes that you can access through an app. Now, just spinning your, your wheels or your legs is one thing, but the one thing that they have done that's very significant is they're enabling the community aspect so you can find friends, you can have chats, you can give virtual high fives. The trainers themselves can give live shout outs to you during the ride. And, and all of these start to trigger other things as well. And they're, they're, stealing, they're stealing some of the features from social networks like dopamine hits. Uh, they're also looking at oxytocin when you feel so good about yourself or when somebody pats you on the back or the endorphins or adrenaline that you get from the actual exercise. But just the, the leader board itself also helps with and the high fives or even dopamine hits that you wouldn't normally get if you were working out by yourself. So they're they're using a variety of techniques to drive adoption and addiction for their product using technology and that is a, a fascinating thing to see. So the second part of that is just the amount of wearables that we can track on our bodies and I already mentioned some of the biometrics that we were looking at earlier. Um, heart rate, oximeters are, are coming to the skin. HRV, which is heart rate variability, that's already in the Apple Watch, um, the latest version, and can track, are you ready? Are you, um, did you have enough sleep? There's a number of things that can be tracked. Now, with that said, I certainly see people that are getting fit, but many of them are getting fat during the quarantine, you know, drinking themselves uh, into a stupor or just eating out of stress. So I think we're going to see two types of people emerge out of this. Yeah, we certainly are selling a lot of potato chips um, and watching a lot of Netflix. So I think Mm -hmm. the bifurcation there of the population, but I think that, you know, the studies are going to really push back mental health, physical health, and a whole definition of wellness. And I think we're going to see the redefinition of the workplace, which I think gets to the discussion of global warming as we're testing a lot of these, whether it's Teams or Zoom and pressing the boundaries of do we need to be in the office and do we need to be driving to the workplace, I think we're going to start to redefine work because I think having so many people in a closed area or trying to get to work in congested highways, I think we're going to start to rethink your thoughts. Absolutely. That is an upside now is that global emissions has reduced, specifically the studies in China and northern Italy have indicated that, although there are some 
criticisms that it's not being done in the right way. But fair enough that we can step back and reevaluate. Do we need to travel as much? Do we really need to fly across the world for that meeting? Or do we need to have that conference who uses Pro Jam and Metallica to attract people? And that's the main reason people go. Does that really need it in the business space? So we're going to step back and really think about, do we need three cars? Do we need to go into the office every day to be productive? All of that will suss out now. So I think that's the big change. So, Jeremiah, your predictions as we come through the long tail of the pandemic? So this is something different. In my career in Silicon Valley since the late 90s, I've tracked a number of digital trends, and many of the times they pin off a recession. Um, I think we're headed towards certainly a recession, but something potentially even worse, an economic depression. I have not experienced that in my lifetime. I'm in my mid-40s. So out of the dot-com boom, we saw the winners, Amazon, eBay, Google, PayPal. In the next phase, social media era, I was right in the middle of that. Uh, we saw Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And then the next, uh, that was 2008. And then 2015-ish, then we saw the rise of the collaborative sharing on-demand economy. We saw Uber, Airbnb emerge. And that was also in the trough of a recession. This time it's different. This is Everything in society is going to be reformatted, right? When you think about your computer and it gets infected with the worst virus and you can't get it off and it's, it's hidden itself in the deepest files of your computer, then you actually have to reformat and, and wipe the whole thing clean. And this is the first time that I think we'll do that and rewrite all of the rules in society. Um, all of the aspects of society are going to change. I mean, it touches everything from income inequality to supply chain to healthcare to to um, healthcare providence to individuals. It, it is quite to globalization to nationalization. It is so many topics that not one person can fathom them. So it is very difficult to predict. But if we just narrow in on the business side. Companies are innovating now. Uh, let's take, for example, many of the auto companies are shifting into uh, producing ventilators. And then I'm seeing uh, Nordstrom's yesterday announced that they've turned uh, seams, um, seamstresses and other people to create masks. And so they're shifting right now just out of necessity, almost like the wartime act. That's really what we're seeing. But I haven't really seen the true digital or business transformations yet and I haven't seen the next rise of this hot startup that will emerge out of the tech scene that will really change things. Perhaps Zoom and Peloton are the potentials that could take that. Uh, but I think there's no playbook for this, Laura. So I'm kind of at a loss for words when it comes to this prediction. Well, I don't think we have the answers as supply chain professionals, um, but I think that fundamentally shopping has changed. I think that people are not going to be as quick to go into the supermarket, uh, you know, Instacart and uh, pick and pay and the redefinition e-commerce, I think it'll push it even further. I also think it's going to cause manufacturers to think about customer intimacy as they think about those shopping vehicles and reservations in the store and, you know, how we get intimate with the consumer. And I think that, you know, as we look at health and wellness, we've really focused on efficient sickness, not health and wellness. And so Correct. if you think about the definition of healthcare providers and how hard it is to get service, I think we're going to redefine the fundamentals. I do love your description of when you get that virus in your PC and you're like, I just got to wipe it clean and get a new. I think we've got that in the supply chain, in healthcare, 
in education, and it's a time to reboot. Mm-hmm. Well, more than reboot, it's reformat. Yeah. Yeah. So the so let's just pick up on those two industries, major industries. So the retail space is scrambling now to even install chatbots uh, in order to answer it because they can't manage the call volume and, and they're struggling even with logistics. So the whole premise of the workforce is going to change. So we're going to see a shift towards automation, I, I think, in many ways. Um, secondly, the, on the healthcare uh, professional side, I recently interviewed for our research Mercy Virtual Health Healthcare, and they're based in the South. And they're quite amazing, quite advanced. They have a whole hospital for many years um, that has doctors and nurses, but no patients. And what they do, this is amazing. They give every one of their patients who have pre-existing conditions an iPad at no cost. And they use that to communicate with them and monitor their health in order to reduce ICU visits because you can forecast when somebody's about to get sick. So that is something we'll see rise to the front, telemedicine. And I think the services for telemedicine, so my brother's actually part of that network. He's a doctor, he's part of that network. And, you know, when he found out mm. I had, you know, this virus, he called me and I said, well, what is the, you know, restriction to leave my house? When do I go off quarantine? And he's like, well, we don't have any rules, right? Uh, you know, as a doctor, I can't advise you. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to rewire all of our government agencies around health. And I think we've got some tough lessons and it's going to take us a while to figure it out. But I think what's important is we don't have the answers right now. But we have a lot of smart people that I think are going to be very focused on helping us to get answers. So, Jeremiah, thank you for joining the show today. Any last comments before we close? Um, Just hold on, everybody. Uh, We're all in this together. We will see significant business model innovation happen. So this is a a real opportunity uh, once we get past some of these difficult points. Thank you for your time. Thank you, and Jeremiah, thanks for helping us to reboot our thinking. Until next time.